Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Payne Show. Jesse, I have a question for you Uh as we start out. So we got a response from someone about a recent episode that we did, and I'll get to what we're going to talk about on this episode. But okay, so do you remember the story that we were telling about when we went to Gatlinburg and the creek, not creek, quote unquote, Yes. And bears and all of that. And we said the word bear multiple times in the episode. Okay. Well, the feedback that I got from this person was that we say bear very uniquely. and uh, As opposed to what? Apparently, it sounds like we are using two syllables instead of one syllable. Bear? So, I think maybe... I think it's probably the person that says bear... Well, I'm just trying to think how how do you, you say it any differently? But I realize maybe I elongate the bear. Yeah, you do. And it should be, but I'm trying to, I can't figure out how to say it without it sounding like bear, bear. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it was like the time when I talked about Taco Bell and all these people wrote in and said I was pronouncing Taco Bell wrong. And I was like, what other way is there to pronounce Taco Bell? But apparently you can say Taco Bell or Taco Bell. It's where you're putting the accent. So, bear. Taco Bell. There were a lot of bears. I I can't. (laughs) Bear. Yeah. I can't do it. Anyway, it just, it made me laugh because it's one of those things that I never thought of ever. And I would never know. There are some times that I wonder if you were at any time living in Wisconsin. I do say bag, bag. You have a Wisconsin accent sometimes. It's It's, very weird. It is weird. And it just just comes. So do they say bear, bear, bear there? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We need to, we need to ask. All of our listeners, though, are we saying it correctly or incorrectly? You need to write in crystal at moneysavingmom.com and let us know, how do you say it? And and are we saying it incorrectly? Or maybe it's just me, because I feel like I'm usually the one I don't that know. says things I, wrong. I barely can hear any difference. So. Oh my goodness, you were just sitting over there trying to figure out how to weave in the word fur or claws or something, no, four-footed ba- creature. No, barely. Barely there. Okay, so today's topic is going to be a little bit heavier, so I thought we'd start out with something that was lighter. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about some things that we have walked through and learned this last year. I would say more so me than you, Jesse, because you, when I was talking about this conversation that we were going to have, you felt like maybe I was the one that Struggled more this year. <laughs> I don't know how to say so, this well. So, so <laughs> that did not sound good. So then you're gonna say, okay, yeah, but this is how you're struck. Right? No, because that, that sounds really. 
That sounds really bad. It came out wrong. It came out wrong. It maybe it felt heavier to me than it did to you. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. And so (laughs) Yeah, that came out really bad. (laughs) We gotta put a you know, you gotta you gotta laugh. You gotta learn to laugh instead of cry. I feel like that is Yeah. Life is just hard sometimes, and so you learn to laugh. But um also I realized someone else wrote in, this wasn't specifically about the podcast, but they were talking about how Crystal, it feels like you've been complaining a lot. That was actually, that was actually what they said. Wow. And they were giving some constructive feedback, I guess we'll call it that. Um, And I realized, you know, I, I'm not trying to defend myself, but I speak from where I'm living. And right now, this year has just yeah, been a been heavy hard. year. It's been a stretching year. And so for me to come on the podcast and be like, three ways to, you know, just give something that's not really truthful to where my heart is and where my life is and what I'm walking through feels hypocritical to me. So I feel like we've had a lot of episodes recently when you and I have done the episodes that have been kind of more about stretching things in our life and learning to pivot and say no and just how this has been a stretching year and it just has. And so we have another episode today that's going to be a little bit more of the same of that. And so for people who feel like we're complaining, I'm sorry. I just I just want to speak from where I'm walking and living to me to do anything else feels just incongruent. I think there's a difference between complaining and being realistic. Mm -hmm. And I think that you desire to be real. Mm -hmm. So we're going to bring some honesty to the podcast. But before we do that, I mean, well, all of this is going to be honest (laughs) before But before we dive into kind of a little bit more vulnerable, I wanted to share about a book that I, somebody recommended it to me. I don't know. It was somebody online, I think. It's called Three Sisters, and I have been listening to it. I am pretty close to the end of it. It is by, let me pull up the author. It is by Heather Morris. And from what I understand, this is the same author as the Tattooist of Auschwitz, which I also really, I don't know, enjoyed is not the right word, but it found it a helpful, insightful read. So I've been listening to this one. And if you are someone like me who finds World War II books engaging, I would recommend this one. It's just a beautiful story of three sisters. I really don't know how it's going to end because it kind of feels like we're at the end of the story and I still have four hours left. So I'm very Mm. confused as to what those extra four hours are. Although I did see that it looks like there are numerous interviews with, I think maybe the people that this story is based upon. That that would be cool. Either that or you are in for a, whale of a roller coaster. I don't know. And so that's what I'm not sure. But it is the story of three sisters who walked through just World War II and they were Jews and their family was separated. And it's just, 
it, it kind of tells it from a different perspective. It talks about them coming back after living through the horrors of concentration camp and then what it was like to come back to their village and to have people living in their home and like, no, this is not your home anymore. Like this is our home. And still people being very anti-Jew in their village and then just the loss that they had to process through years after living through all of that, you know? And I feel like a lot of books that I've read or listened to, it's kind of like the bulk of the book is about during the war. And then it's kind of like, and then they were freed and liberated. There was another book that you had read that was kind of along a similar vein, wasn't there? Probably, but I'm. It's not. Did, it was. Um, I don't remember which book it was, but it was post World War II Holocaust survivors that were coming back and kind of having to completely change their way of life. Uh, they weren't being received well. I probably did. This is not ringing a bell, but if someone remembers which one Jesse's referring to, let me know. I mean, and I mean, it almost sounds word for word with the review that you gave of that book. I don't remember, but I will say, I think one of the things that was really beautiful about this is just weaving in relationships mm-hmm. and how it affected and impacted relationships and what it would be like if you haven't seen someone for a really, really long time or what it felt like and like what they lived through and then Mm -hmm. to think that the person was dead and then to actually be reunited with them. But to be like the only thing they recognized was the sparkle in their eye because everything else about their appearance had completely changed. Well, and to think that both of you have so much trauma that colors your your current experience that Mm -hmm. the other person doesn't know about. So I'm interested to see what the final four hours of this book are, but I would recommend it. It just made me think a lot and it's given me some different perspective and just also such a reminder of how much we have to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and us talking about the challenges of this year, you listen to books like this and you think we don't even know one iota of what a challenge is compared to that and what they walk through. And so it gives you just this perspective that is really valuable. I also wanted to share, I recently bought a sweatshirt that I've been loving and it's sweatshirt weather here finally. And uh, who knows, it'll probably be 80 degrees in the morning, 80 degrees (laughs) next week. But Today, it was cool enough to wear a sweatshirt the entire day. And it's just this oversized sweatshirt that I love so much. And Caitlin saw it and she was like, Mom, this is so cute. And now I'm having trouble getting it back into my closet because every time it gets washed, Caitlin snags it and wears it again. And then when I want to wear it, it's dirty. So she said, Mom, can we just buy all the colors? But uh, there are a lot of colors on Amazon. We will link to it in the show notes. But I think I'm going to, maybe that's going to be one of her Christmas presents because I'm be like, and this one is yours? Just give her the one that you already bought for, for Christmas. <laughs> I know, but I want it. I like it. Um, anyway, so we'll link that out in the show notes. If you're looking for a great oversized sweatshirt, highly recommend this one. Also, speaking of Christmas, we put together 
a free Christmas gift guide that is not your typical Christmas gift guide. All over the internet, all these people are launching Christmas gift guides, which I find very fascinating, especially people who I love to follow. I love to know what they are recommending to give for Christmas. But this one is a homemade Christmas gifts guide. And so all of the ideas in it are some of our favorite homemade gift ideas. And so my team, we all came together and chose specific ones. Mine was movie night in a basket because Jesse, remember your sister gave us that a few years ago and it was something that our kids just really, really loved. It was kind of one of those memorable gifts. And so um, I have details on how to put that together and what that could look like and some ideas for that. But there are some non-food gifts and food gifts and just a lot of just creative ideas And there are printable labels for every single one of the gifts and then also some generic printable labels. And so if you have people on your list who you're like, I don't know what to get for them. I want to do something for them. It feels like they have everything. I don't have any ideas or I don't want to just give them some, you know, go to the store and buy some random thing. I want to do something that's meaningful there are some ideas in this and all of them are easy. Some of them can be made in just a short, short amount of time. So if you're looking for last minute gift ideas, and then also all of them are budget friendly. So we will link in the show notes where you can go to download that. And like I said, it has all the gift ideas plus printable labels. So we try to make it super easy for you that you can print the gift tags and make the gifts and hopefully bless a lot of people, simplify your Christmas hopefully save some money and just give some meaningful gifts that will be like the movie night in a basket that have stuck with me and one that I was like, this was such a great gift idea. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis so I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT, and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin, and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief, 
I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz 
it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amwar a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amwar.style forward slash crystal. That is amwar.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amwar today. Okay, so Jesse, I don't even know how to start this conversation on marriage, but I will say that, you know, we've been married for, it will be 21 years in January. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, when you've been married for that long, you're going to experience a lot of ebbs and flows. There's going to be hard years. There's going to be wonderful years. There's going to be really great days. And there's going to be days that are filled with a lot of struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think this year, because of multiple years kind of stacked on one another that we're stretching, and then adding in this year just some extra challenges. We've talked about some of those on previous podcast episodes, but I really feel like we were already kind of hitting the bottom of the barrel in a sense of like you and I had dug down deep to try to anchor ourselves to weather the storms of the last few years of bringing four babies home, walking through foster care is a lot. And it's ups and downs and disappointments mm-hmm. and wonderful things and just a lot of unknowns. And so walking through that and then the reunification and grieving that loss and then navigating, okay, what is this going to look like for us as we walk with a birth mom and her boy for long term? And then saying yes to David and then not knowing we were going to say yes to adopting him. And, you know, so there was all of that, plus adding in five biological children who are very spread out all over um, age range and interest-wise and need-wise, and then running our own business. You know, there were just, there's been a lot of things that have been a lot of people and things needing us. I would Mm -hmm. say. And so I feel like we got to the beginning of this year and I had a book that launched in March and that was just stretching. And then right around the time, I don't even know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but maybe I did. I lost one of my key employees and it kind of happened in a way that was very unexpected. And so that just kind of threw a lot of extra responsibilities on us in a very short amount of time Mm -hmm. and navigating that. And then right when we got to the end of Catherine graduating and all of the emotions of that, then the we hadn't seen the little boy that we had fostered for six months. And then his mom contacted us. And then we ended up starting to provide childcare for him two to four days a week. And then it got to where it was more like three to four and then four days a week. And it just started to feel like a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think both you and I were feeling like there's not space 
in our life to really stop and breathe. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. Just constantly feeling pulled five different directions. Yeah. Like, or six or seven different directions. No apparent relaxing of that being pulled in all those directions. Yeah. I think that there have been seasons that there have been a lot, but it's like, okay, but there's the, there's the light at the end of the tunnel. And in this one, there's been like, there's no, like, there's no end in sight of like, well, when we get to here, then things are really going to slow down or Mm -hmm. something. Um, And, you know, there's just a lot with, it's, it's hard to describe, but when you're walking with a biological mom who has walked through a lot in her life and there are just a lot of unknowns with that. And then Mm -hmm. you're loving a little boy who is three and a half, who has also walked through a lot of trauma. Yep. There's just a lot of challenges that come with that. And I feel like there's also been, it's felt like spiritual attack because we are kind of stepping out into something that is messy and, you know, kind of help, walking with someone as they are reversing course of patterns and behaviors and that sort of thing. And there's a lot of unknowns as well, because you don't know how he is going to respond to that trauma. Yeah. And a lot of times how he responds is different than what you would think. Mm-hmm. It's a surprise. It's sideways. It's backwards. It's up. It's down. It's, um, so we have to roll with the punches mm-hmm. and really um, be flexible and and know this is how to love him and to um, you know be the best helper for her as we, that we can. And it might look a completely different than what we initially thought it would. Yeah, and so I think you add on with that just a lot of unknowns. Just a lot of unknowns and a lot of stuff that is very much outside our control. And so that's just, it's been heavy. It's just been real heavy. And, um, you know, we talked about on other episodes, just kind of the straw that's broken the camel's back of us just being like, I've always felt like I'm a person who has very high capacity. I can juggle a lot of things. But this has been the thing that I think the emotional and physical toll that it's taken on us when we have already had three years that have been years with a lot of challenges and things that have taken toll on us. Just really, I feel like we kind of got to, I feel like we were probably at June of this year. And I just realized like we'd been digging into the bottom of the barrel to try to like pull out whatever little tiny grains of sand were left to hang on to. Not only just physically and spiritually and emotionally uh, individually, but I feel like in our marriage, because there just been very little time for us to talk, mm-hmm. for us to, you know, to have a conversation. Sometimes the podcast is <laughs> the most conversation that we will have the entire week without interruption. True. And because it's just, there's just, constant interruption in our life. And even then 
many <laughs> times. Many times we're interrupted. Edit, we're editing out many interruptions. Um, and so we just, at around June, I was just kind of feeling like this is not working. Like this marriage-wise, I can't just keep digging into the tiny little grains of sand that are left. Like the, It's like there's nothing left. And I looked into your eyes one day. We sat out in the car. I think it was Sunday afternoon. It had been a rough week. And I was just like, this isn't working. Something needs to change. And I think we were just both so tired, kind of feeling like, I don't even know what to change. Like, I don't even know how to move this in a good direction because we're both just so tired. And just feeling like we're stretched really thin. And, you know, we talked about how we've been running on empty in our marriage. We've been trying to tap into the reserves and we're now hitting the bottom of the barrel. And I just, we want to share this because I feel like there are probably a lot of other people listening who can relate to this. And if you can't, like if you're not in that place, like praise Jesus and Mm -hmm. be grateful. And yes, that is wonderful and amazing. And I'm so happy for you. But know that when you've been married for any, you know, length of time that is maybe longer than five or seven years, you're going to hit some spots where it's just going to feel like you're, you're tapped out. And, you know, it wasn't one thing. Like there wasn't anything that we could, yes, we could point to, okay, there'd been a lot of stretching things, but it wasn't just like, oh, well, when that happened, then that just made me kind of pull back. Or it wasn't that we didn't love each other. We still very much loved each other. We were just tired and worn down and feeling like really our marriage was getting the leftovers. And I think sometimes when you have, especially young children, I feel like also teenagers, like teenagers, they are sometimes similar to toddlers in the sense of like (laughs) their impatience or their neediness, or it feels like the level of neediness, you know, and especially because I think it's more so like, you know, when they're asking, mom, I really need to talk to you about X, Y, Z. And you don't want to be like, well, you're going to have to wait because I know that emotionally you're really struggling right now, but listen, like I need to do the dishes or, you know, like you, you, there are many times when we just have to drop everything and be like, okay, I need to be fully focused on you. And so. Especially because those needs are oftentimes deep and heavy, especially for them. Yeah. And so I feel like when you have toddlers and you have teenagers who are vying for your attention constantly, then it's like the marriage is not screaming. So we're going to go to like whatever's bleeding or crying. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to go to and help that. And then it's just like the marriage keeps getting shoved to the back burner. Like we'll find time to talk later, but we got to really help this teenager or this toddler, you know, and especially I feel like with David, there's oftentimes there's some type of minor emergency or major emergency that we're dealing with as well. And you're needing to take him into, you know, to the ER, call the doctor, you know, decide, is this something we need to do something in the middle of the night? Can we wait this out? And so there's the emotional toll of that as well. And so I just feel like our marriage was getting the leftovers and we had gotten to a point where there there really weren't any leftovers to spare. 
There just, it felt like there weren't. And I really knew something needed to change, but I was like, I don't even know what we could do. And I think that, you know, just we talked about that on the recent episode where if you think you're stuck, there's a tendency that you're going to stay stuck. Like if you believe you're stuck, you're not going to try to get unstuck. It's kind of this defeatist mentality. Well, there's nothing I can do. Yep. Nothing I can change. It's just the way it is. And I think for me, there was a part of me that just kind of felt like that. But the other part of me was like, no, I I don't, we can't keep living like this. Like this isn't working. And I think, think acknowledging that, you know, we talked about that on that episode of like, just acknowledging this isn't working. We want to fight for something different. And saying it out loud. I feel like I remember that conversation in the car and just, I was really honest and you were really honest about how you were feeling as well. And I think it was so important for us to just put it out there, say it out loud, even though it might feel in a sense somewhat hurtful or discouraging to actually acknowledge it. And to not blame the other person. I think that was really important for us. It wasn't like I was saying, the reason that, you know, I'm feeling this way is because you're not doing enough or you weren't saying like the reason you were feeling. Neither one of us were blaming the other person. We were just saying something's got to change. And then also taking personal responsibility. I think for me to acknowledge I'm not prioritizing the marriage. And it's not because I don't want to. It's because I think... It's so easy when you're in the thick of parenting to prioritize your kids, which I mean is a good thing. Like you, you want to be prioritizing your kids, but I feel like we had prioritized them way more than the marriage and recognizing that long-term, the gift for them is for us to prioritize our marriage. And you know, sometimes it's just really easy to stuff down our feelings, but that only makes things worse over time. Because if you just keep stuffing down your feelings, stuffing down your feelings, stuffing down your feelings, eventually they're going to explode out in dysfunctional ways at probably the most inopportune times. And usually it's going to come out sideways as anger. And for me, it was also honesty with you and then honesty with God of just being honest of, I don't know what to do, but I don't want to keep living like this. I know that we've had seasons where it's been so much better in our marriage and I want to get back to that. And I want to fight for our marriage and I want to fight for our relationship. And also sharing with a few trusted friends. I just got really honest with a few people that I knew I could trust and just be like, it's not so good right now. And I'm really struggling. And it's not him. It's not anything that he's done. We still love each other. We just can't seem to find the time to prioritize our relationship. And that's not okay. But we don't don't know what to do about it. And I think that was the primary crux of what happened was not prioritizing our relationship and not feeding into that. And that just, it's something that constantly needs to be cultivated. Otherwise the flowers are going to wilt and, and die and it needs constant tending to. 
And so I think it really started, you know, with that honesty, but then saying, okay, let's think long-term. Like, let's think at 25 years from now. What do we want to prioritize today for where we want to be in 25 years from now? And if something doesn't change, our marriage isn't going to last. Like, mm-hmm. I was reading in a book, it was talking about in relationships, you're either moving further away or you're moving closer. Like, you're never just standing still in a relationship, which I thought was really interesting. And I feel like for sure, our marriage was not moving closer together. We were moving further away. And so to say, we're not going to believe the lie that we're stuck and this is the only way it's going to be. We're going to have to get creative and find ways to prioritize our marriage and to stop making excuses. Like I feel like if something's important to you, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll make an excuse. And so, yeah, I could come up with a lot of really valid excuses, but that's not how I wanted to live my life. And so saying, okay, how are we going to make this work? And I just had to be honest about really putting the kids' needs above you. And it's a challenge. Like, it's a challenge when, like we talked about, a teen really needs to talk or a young child is, you know, they've they're crying and they're acting really needy and you're just thinking like, I need to take care of this. But one of my friends, she challenged me. She said, when you walk in the door, when you've been away, who do you go to first? And I was so convicted by that because I realized I always walk in the door and go pick up little kids first. Like I go acknowledge them. Oh, mommy's home. You know, I've missed you. I love you. Kisses, hugs and everything. And so often I wouldn't really even acknowledge you, which is terrible. But it's so easy to fall into these ruts of just going to them. And she challenged me. She said, I want you to go to Jesse first thing. You can go to them as soon as you've gone to him, but go to him and acknowledge him. Hug him, kiss him, look into his eyes, say, you're giving me all funny faces. You're like, is she doing this? Is she doing this? And I didn't, I didn't point blank. This is kind of the first time that I'm putting this out here. And this was months ago. But I didn't really tell you this because I, I've been working on it personally in my life. And I'm not doing a perfect job of it, clearly, based upon the faces that you're making. <laughs> but it convicted me so much because the first time that I came home from being gone, I just instantly like went to the kids and I was like, no, go to Jesse. And it was awkward for me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, something is wrong if this is awkward. The man that I've been married to for almost 21 years... It's not my first impulse to just go hug him and kiss him and look into his eyes. And so that is something that I've been working on. Jesse, hopefully you've noticed a little bit, possibly a little bit. I'll I'll be more aware of that from now on. (laughs) But just looking into your eyes, hugging you, kissing you. I've noticed that, yeah. Just prioritizing you. You matter. I care about you. I see you. I think it's so easy for both of us to just get busy with, we're doing it together. Like we're, we're taking care of the kids, taking, you know, helping disciple the older ones and talk with them and walk with them and helping to work with the little ones and care for them and walk with them and talk with them. 
So it's like we're doing it together, but in the process, neither one of us are seeing each other, you Mm -hmm. know? And to just for you to say, for you and I to both be like, I see you. I see you. And to teach our younger kids, especially, to wait until I've prioritized you. And that's something that I've been working with them on and just like setting that example for them of you're my first priority. And I love them very much and they are a big priority, but you are my first priority. I want to set that example for them. And so committing to just in little ways, prioritize each other. And we talked about some specific ways that that could look and what would be meaningful to each other. And then the other thing that we did was we've really been trying to prioritize dates. And we made a lot of excuses for why dates couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a lot of people are big fans of at-home dates. And I have Mm -hmm. for years kind of been like, yeah, you can have an at-home date. Put the little kids to bed and and then you can have an at-home date. The thing is, is at-home dates, at least for us, when you have teenagers and you have younger ones, there's never a time, basically, 99% of the time, someone is awake and they're needing you. Mm-hmm. And so if you're home, they're going to find you and they're going to need you. And even if you're like, nobody bother us, don't bother us. It's like some major catastrophe, quote unquote, will happen. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it means leaving, leaving the house and leaving the kids. And so whether that's the older ones watching the younger ones, or we found this drop-in daycare that has been fantastic and a lifesaver where we can drop the younger kids off and be able to go do something, even if it's just 45 minutes, like for you and I to do something just the two of us together, knowing that there aren't going to be any interruptions. That's been really huge for our relationship. So I'd say honesty and priority. Honesty about where we were at, honesty with God, honesty with each other, honesty with a few trusted people, getting some outside perspective and counsel and wisdom, and then priority, finding ways to prioritize one another. Love is often built and nurtured in the little tiny choices day in and day out. And we lost sight of that this last year. And the impact was significant. You know, it's just those little tiny choices over time add up to a really strong relationship or over time add up to a really weak relationship. And we were reaping the consequences of what we'd sowed. But little bit by little bit, as we've been choosing to make each other the most important priority next to God again and not doing it perfectly, but making that our goal the sparks are coming back and I'm not feeling like I'm digging into the bottom of the barrel that our marriage is not getting the leftovers and that I feel like the joy and the fun and the laughter and the flirtation, like it's coming back and I'm so grateful. Any final thoughts, Jesse? It's very true. Now, and one thing that I was thinking about when just now is I did not see, and I think you had alluded to this earlier, I didn't see what you saw. I didn't see that there were issues um, that you 
that you were saying that you were feeling. And uh, for me to have my eyes open to that and to, you know, and the key is, is to be open and admit, again, admitting that, oh, well, yeah, I guess there is something going on here that I need to be aware of. And so you, you know, speaking just in general terms to anybody listening, you may feel like there's something wrong, but your spouse may have no clue that something's going, that something is wrong. Or you may think that something's wrong that isn't really wrong and you're just assuming, but the way to overcome that is communication. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when we talked about it, as we talked about it, I think you were just so tired that it was almost like you didn't even have the emotional capacity to think about, oh, this doesn't feel right. You're just like, I'm just tired. No, not necessarily that. I mean, I think I think of the frog in boiling water. You know, the the the, the frog doesn't know it's in boiling water if the water temperature changes gradually. It's not like we were tossed in the boiling water while it was boiling. You know, it's just the temperature slowly ramped up, you know, and lo and behold, then it's boiling. Mm-hmm. And we, and I had no clue. So I think that's more what it was. It wasn't necessarily being tired as much as it was probably malaise. Getting used to just kind of these yeah. patterns and these ruts. Like, you know, yeah. like I talked about of just prioritizing the kids over each other. And I'm just grateful. I feel like. And accepting that as a norm. Yes. Like this is just how it is. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that I recognized it until it just got to the place where I was like, what do we have left that is the two of us? Like I realized how long has it been since we've just looked into each other's eyes and had mm-hmm. a conversation and really flirted and just had fun together. And that was kind of when it struck me, oh, we've kind of laid down these ruts for months. And so I just encourage anyone listening, I hope that just this honesty that we're sharing can encourage you just take a step back and really pay attention, whether you're married or in other relationships in your life that maybe slowly you've just slipped into patterns of on health of dysfunction, where you've just been moving apart without even realizing it, where you've maybe misplaced priorities, and what are some little things that you can do to start prioritizing that relationship again? How can you be honest and then, you know, with God, with each other, with others, get wise counsel? be open to hearing what the other person says. Cause I think that was the thing both of us had mm-hmm. to be willing to hear where the other person was at and not blame each other. And then that priority piece, what does that look like? How can you get creative, think outside the box and start taking those steps in the direction to be moving closer to one another. And I'm just so grateful. And Jesse, I'm just so grateful for you. You have, walked through a lot with me these 21 years and even before when, mm-hmm. and you've stuck through a lot when it hasn't been easy and I'm just so grateful and there's no one else that I would rather be on this journey with even on the hard days even on the stretching days I'm grateful that we're in it together and I'm also grateful 
that the sparks are coming back. Yep. And thank you for putting it out there and putting it forward that we, things needed to change. Because if you hadn't, those are where we'd have been right now. So, mm-hmm. and being willing to make those changes uh, together. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.